0: Hi, this is the Robberator, and you can support my mad grab for power and the Sword and Laser podcast by going to Patreon.com/slash Sword and Laser.
1: Hey everyone, welcome to the Sword and Laser. I'm Veronica Belmont, and I'm Tom Merritt sword and laser is a book club but it's so much more we bring you author interviews news from the world of science fiction and fantasy and awesome discussions from fans just like you
0: and i'm having a butter beer
1: so is butter beer real beer mm. Mm. no no because the no, kids it's like, drink it's it, like, right? cre-
0: it's like cream soda
1: oh that's nice but, but
0: it's got a buttery butterscotch flavor um, can
1: you make it alcoholic
0: Oh sure, you can make anything alcoholic. <laughs> uh, you could mix some alcohol right into it, and it'll be alcoholic.
1: What I, would be a good alcohol to mix? I mean, vodka is
0: always good for that kind of thing, right? Because mm-hmm. you know, it's it fits in nicely, doesn't have a lot of taste. You can do a gin butterscotch. I feel like that might work pretty well.
1: Well, if you did like, if you did like, mm, no, yeah,
0: a certain whiskeys might might do well.
1: You knew where my mind was going. Trying to think of like like a caramely whiskey might yeah. pair well with the uh-huh. with the Like butter a beer-ness. Hudson
0: baby beer, or I'm um, sorry, a Hudson baby uh, bourbon.
1: What? The, oh, yeah. I like Hudson.
0: Yeah. And they've got kind of a caramelly taste.
1: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I had margs. I had a marg. I had a marg.
0: You had a margarita?
1: Singular, yes. Just,
0: just for the kicks?
1: Well, we had a team dinner.
0: That's what you do at team dinners. You have margs. Like the old day
1: job. You, you, get, you get margs. a girls. you know when Except the old team girls, goes out. Guys,
0: get some margs. I actually like margaritas. They're great.
1: You know where I went to? Do El you remember,
0: Soli La Luna.
1: Do you remember my surprise birthday party when I turned like twenty-seven, and everyone went to Velvet Cantina in oh, the wow. Mission? Yeah, and I went there, oh, and wow. I haven't been there since the surprise party. No kidding. Yeah,
0: I remember that because you don't like surprises.
1: No, I I cried really hard, remember? Yeah. I cried so hard. I think that's what I'm thinking of. (laughs) I cried really hard because I thought everyone was really mean to me on my birthday, but they were all just like trying to pretend like they didn't know it was my birthday so they could surprise me at the party. surprise you. I was like, I don't have any friends. Nobody wants to with me. And then, yeah, everyone blew me off, but it was because they were blowing me off from my own party.
0: You know, I wonder. Uh, I have my Twitter archive that starts in 2007.
1: <laughs> You're going to try to find if, it?
0: I wonder if I have tweets from your surprise party.
1: I have a very specific picture in mind from that day, from that night, where I'm sitting on the curb in front of Velvet Cantina holding a... um. Uh, a carnivorous plant, a Venus flytrap fly that someone tra- had given me, and <laughs> 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 like, does I have my hand in my my head in my hands, and I've just had too many marks, and I just look like a very happy, very drunk little lady.
0: So many marks. Uh, well, you can find Margs wherever Margs are sold. You can find Butterbeer on Amazon. Uh, the the uh, Flying Cauldron Butterscotch Soda. They don't. Get, they're not allowed to call it Butterbeer, but they're the people who make the Butterbeer for the Harry Potter theme parks.
1: Why can't? Why don't they get to call it Butterbeer? Because you That's can only get fair. Butterbeer
0: at the theme parks. So oh. the people who make it, they have the right to sell it under their own label, but they okay. can't call it Butterbeer.
1: <laughs> that's kind of cruel. I still I think that's kind of mean. All right. Well, let's then, uh, instead of talking more about my wild escapades of my youth, uh, <laughs> jump into the quick burns.
0: New Game of Thrones trailer came out today, today being June 21st when we're recording this, and has loads of hints. Uh, none of them definitive, so not if you're if you're super spoiler averse. Obviously, you just don't watch trailers to begin with. But uh, not terribly spoilery. More raises more questions than it answers, in my opinion.
1: What? Well, what are you talking about? What in particular? Oh, if
0: you break down this thing, it's like, wait, why is Daenerys here, and then she's over there? And wait, where is this person when they're making this <laughs> speech? That's not a <laughs> castle we've ever seen before. Right? Why is everything on fire? Like just lots of stuff like that.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I got chills big time watching this one. I'm getting super excited. We're we're about a month away now.
0: I know, July less 16th. Less than a month away. Less than a month.
1: Oh my goodness gracious. It's going to be a blast. So this is it, right? I mean, this is kind of like winter Wait, has one come. One more season
0: after this, but mm-hmm. this is kind of half a season. You know, we're, only, yeah. we're not getting full 10s anymore.
1: Ugh. It's going to be over before it even starts. It's going to feel like that. But anyway, more stuff. Not Game of Thrones related. David says that Indra Das won the 2017 Lamba Award, uh, literary award, for Best LGBT Sci-Fi Fantasy Horror for his first novel, The Devourers. Uh, There's a full list over on Goodreads. Um, Yeah, and this book looks amazing, so I'll read the description over on Goodreads. On a cool evening in Kolkata, India, beneath a full moon, as the whirling rhythms of traveling musicians fill the night... College professor Alok encounters a mysterious stranger with a bizarre confession and an extraordinary story. Tantalized by the man's unfinished tale, Alok will do anything to hear its completion. So Alok agrees at the stranger's behest to transcribe a collection of battered notebooks, weathered parchments, and once living skins. Yeah. From these documents spills the chronicle of a race of people at once more than human yet kin to beasts, ruled by instincts and desires blood deep and ages old. The tale features a rough wanderer in 17th century Mughal India who finds himself irrevocably drawn to a defiant woman, and destined to be torn asunder by two clashing worlds. With every passing chapter of beauty and brutality, Alok's interest in the stranger grows and evolves into something darker and more urgent. Shifting dreamlike between present and past with intoxicating language, visceral action, compelling characters, and stark emotion, The Devourers offers a reading experience quite unlike any other novel.
0: It does sound really good.
1: Yeah, it just just sounded good. So I want to read the description.
0: It's a long description, though.
1: It was a long description, I'm sorry. Uh, and the cover of the book looks amazing, yeah, too. Yeah, the
0: cover guard is is fantastic. And uh, yeah, it just really does sound like the kind of book I want to read. I, I think my problem was I wanted to stop hearing the description and just start reading it.
1: <laughs> okay. You didn't like my retelling?
0: No, your, your interpretation my was great. My theatrical
1: interpretation? No, it
0: was excellent. I did enjoy that. that that's, Thank you. That's what got me through it. Nokomis.fl wrote, George R. R. Martin says he thinks incremental updates just make fans angry. And only completing Winds of Winter will satisfy them as he tries to deliver the next book. These were comments on his live journal uh, where somebody said, hey, why don't you do regular updates like some authors do? And some authors do page updates. They say, like, I wrote this many pages on this novel today uh, and are really transparent. George says, yeah, I tried doing that. And people just said, why didn't you write more pages? They just got mad that I wasn't done. So uh, anyway, he's not doing that.
1: I cannot imagine that kind of pressure. I really can't. Yeah. That's like a lot of pressure.
0: Can you imagine if everyone in the world's eyes are on you to finish something and you're, I mean, even if you just have a day of writer's block, it's just amplified, right? Because yeah. we all have those days where the ideas just won't come and you want this to be perfect. George R. R. Martin wanted Game of Thrones to be perfect. The, the first book in the Song of Ice and Fire before anybody even knew he was writing it. Can, I can't imagine what it's like now.
1: No, I, I do not envy him that task whatsoever. I mean, he's got a uh, he's had lots of amazing things come from it. But at the same time, that amount of pressure, that much scrutiny has got to be really difficult. Uh, I would not want to be in his shoes. Yeah. Someone's shoes who I would like to be in. Uh, Christo says LeVar Burton is finally making Reading Rainbow for adults. Do you want to be in and- Christos
0: or Lavar's shoes?
1: <laughs> I want to I want to be LeVar's shoes.
0: You want to actually be LaVar's shoes. I want to be yeah. his shoes. You want yes. LaVar to be in your shoes that are made of you.
1: Like what? <laughs> like skin <laughs> shoes? <laughs> like human shoes? Living skin. Are we, See, are we back to living skin again? We're headed right back again? to Indra Das. <laughs> Anyhow much less gory than that and weird. LeVar Burton is making Reading Rainbow for Adults, and as I said, it's free. And each weekly podcast, he reads a popular short story in full. He adds sound effects for atmosphere and gives a little background on it. He said he's going to read sci-fi and fantasy short stories, but also non-genre stories. Wait a second. Is LeVar Burton stepping on us? Wait. Is he stepping to us? What do you mean? He's in sci-fi fantasy
0: and non-genre.
1: He's just going to come up in here and, and be like, reading I'm stories. doing a sci-fi we fantasy podcast. We don't read podcast, stories, Veronica. But, but I just, I kind of did. I read a description very theatrically. That was not a
0: full story. Like, what if we decided we want to do that? It was close. Then we right. would be stealing his thunder. Because I think LeVar Burton has been reading stories on television <laughs> for quite a long time.
1: <laughs> did he beat us in that? I mean, we've I been around for have. a while, but I he think maybe, he, might have. he maybe has. I think he might have been
0: doing it since before you were born.
1: I don't know about that. When did Reading Rainbow start?
0: I don't know. It'd be, it'd be close, though.
1: Hold on. Let me ask Alexa. Alexa. Alexa.
0: She's a- asleep. Alexa. It's <laughs> like, I don't want to take a side. <laughs> the,
1: one, the one time she doesn't respond to something. Like, and it's no when way. she's on air. She's uh, camera shy. went on shy. the air in
0: 1983.
1: So, yes, I was alive. Thank you.
0: June 6th, 1983.
1: I was alive well alive by then.
0: Okay, but it's close. almost
1: mostly a fully formed human by that point. Eh, well, I don't yeah. know.
0: <laughs> Are any of yeah. us really fully formed humans yet?
1: Uh, all right, I'll go on. He only released one episode so far, "Kin" by Bruce McAllister, but it's great. Can't wait to hear more. Christo says, "I never watched Reading Rainbow as a kid because I never heard of it until I was an adult, but I am a fan of him."
0: Yeah, me too. Actually, we love Lavar Burton. He was nice enough to do an episode of Sword and Laser uh, one time, so that's great.
1: That was, that like made my life. He's, yeah. he's a wonderful so person cool. and a really cool guy. And it's going to be out on, it's going to be out on mid-roll, which is pretty cool. I think mid-roll is producing it. Oh, cool. And it's also going to be um, out on Stitcher. It's going to be part of Stitcher's uh, like content strategy. What, what, what was that face? Nothing.
0: What are you talking about? I didn't you make a face. I love LeVar Burton.
1: I love LeVar and Burton. I'm
0: very excited about his podcast. <laughs>
1: <laughs> we'll talk about that later. Sandra
0: and Jessica uh, submitted our final quick burn. The title of the third installment in Becky Chambers wayfarer series has been announced record of a Spaceborn few and the Ooh. release is slated for June 14th, 2018. Um, I'm almost Finny, Finny, I'm almost Finny. I am almost finished uh, with whatever the, Current book is now. I'm totally blanking. What? And now Audible is gonna make me sign in. Oh my god! Oh, I
1: have it over here. Hold on.
0: It's a small uh, uh a closed and common orbit. Yeah, I remembered.
1: I, I couldn't read the title. It was too far away.
0: A closed and common orbit. Uh, so I'm I'm like halfway through that, so I should be uh, should be fine. Man, why would Audible decide now is the time that I need to log back in? Wait,
1: hold on, Tom. Is this a conspiracy? So you're Audible wouldn't log you in and my alexa wouldn't respond <gasps> to me
0: maybe amazon is down maybe is amazon has been
1: destroyed <gasps> do you think we could actually i wonder oh my goodness is this gracious. breaking news <laughs> are we breaking news live except not live you the know podcast I, have poli- will be up tomorrow. I have a policy
0: on daily tech news show never to cover outages why because they're always done by the time people listen to your show that's outages, like with the occasional exception of something like the Sony PlayStation Network going down, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you almost never like an outage almost never lasts as long as the freak out.
1: OK, fair enough.
0: Anyway, right. I'm excited that the, the the we finally have a title for the final Warfare series, Record of a Spaceborne Few. I can't wait.
1: That's awesome. Yeah, I would like to finish the series. So hopefully I can catch up to you and, and uh, be done in time for the third book to come out. All right, well, now it is time for Bear Your Sword, which is our feedback from the audience. There was a great thread over in Goodreads. Um, This one was by Lauren, who says, Sci-Fi with language contact? She says, This is kind of a specific question, but I made this connection between the podcast that I listened to that was kind of neat. On the latest episode of the podcast, Lingthusiasm, which is a podcast about linguistics, the host briefly mentioned Runglish, or a pidgin language that has developed on the International Space Station where the astronauts and cosmonauts speak a combination of English and Russian to each other. The hosts of the podcast, Gretchen and Lauren, then question whether anything has ever been written about children growing up in this kind of language contact environment in space where they've created a new language that is a hybrid of two languages that we know on Earth. I figured the folks here might be able to clue me in to some examples that I could share with the hosts. I know that this very situation was briefly mentioned in Arthur C. Clarke's 2010-2010. Sorry, I don't know why I said it that way. There is a considerable mixing of English and Portuguese in Orson Scott Card's End verse novels, Xenocide as an and beyond, and of course, the Chinese-English mixing in Firefly, just as a few examples. What other examples in writing or screen have you encountered where two Earth languages create a mixed language in space? Any other specifically about Russian and English in space?
0: Um, yeah, Keith pointed out the one that first came to my mind, which is a clockwork orange.
1: Oh. It's got mm-hmm.
0: a, a bunch of Russian words that have been slangified and mixed mm-hmm. in with English.
1: And John Taloni, um brought up the one that first came to my mind, which was the Belcher lingo. Mm. That's kind of a mix of several languages, Chinese, yeah. Spanish, a little German, English. Um, I always, it, it, and to me, it always sounds vaguely South African also. And I don't know if that's taken into account as well. Um, what else we got? Central Station, Brendan says. Yep. They speak a, a patois called Asteroid Pigeon. Um, of which the examples in the book are plentiful.
0: Seven Eves has a mishmash of English and Russian, Dara points out.
1: Oh, that is very cool, yes. And Tamahome uh,
0: brings up uh, Ted Story of Your Life, a.k.a. Yeah. the basis of the movie Arrival.
1: That certainly gets into... Um, is a great example for sure. Yeah. Um, and then Lauren says, uh, many of these I've read, and, and you all reminded me i had forgotten entirely about the language mixing in The Moon is a Harsh Mistress, for example. I passed this right on to the host of the show since they asked about it. So maybe you guys will hear it in an upcoming episode.
0: Yes. Guess what? Spoiler, you just did.
1: No, not of our show, of their show.
0: Oh, never mind. The <laughs>
1: linguistic show. I mean, maybe you just did,
0: <laughs> but that would be weird if you were listening to them at the same time as us.
1: That would. And then we had a tweet uh, from Sue at Spaltor who says, I love it when I'm totally wrong about a book in all the best ways. Usually I have sword and laser to thank. Oh, that's so nice
0: to hear, Sue. You don't understand how nice that is because so many people have problems with books. uh, And and that's just normal. Not everybody's going to like every book. So it's nice to hear someone getting a recommendation from us that they don't think they were going to like and do like and have it happen more than once.
1: Yeah, I'm very curious to know which one in in which book specifically you're talking about or any recent picks that we've talked about. Yeah. I'd be curious to know what tipped that off.
0: Well, maybe we should at reply Sue.
1: I guess literally we could ask her and yeah, then we would know. we literally could. All right. Well, Tom, you want to talk about the July pick?
0: Yes. So we're doing a vote on the Patreon, patreon.com sword and laser, um, Anybody can go vote. Go on over there and check it out. It's Snow Crash by Neil Stevenson, Feed by Mira Grant, The Martian Chronicles by Ray Bradbury, and The Left Hand of Darkness by Ursula K. Le Guin that are all up against each other. And what's cool is that you can see the results. Uh, it doesn't have the same tools as Goodreads, so we can't keep it anonymous like we like to do sometimes. <laughs> but only after you vote. So we have 136 votes total, and it is neck and neck. Ray Bradbury, sadly, is lagging behind, but Snow Crash, I think, is in front. Last, But earlier today when I looked, Left Hand of Darkness was in front, and Feed has been in front a couple of times and is right there behind uh, Left Hand of Darkness. So it is anybody's race at this point. I I think we're going to give it a little more time Uh, and so so if you haven't got a chance to vote, get in there and vote and we will certainly, I don't know, should we put an end date on it of next, let's say, I don't know, Friday, this, this coming Friday.
1: Yeah. What's the, so let's see, how much time do we have left in the week here? So the new month is next Friday. So you want to you want to do Friday this is the 23rd?
0: Yeah, I was thinking we'll take votes That'll all only the way them- to the end of the day on yeah. Friday. So Saturday okay. morning I'll get up and pick a winner. <laughs> so you could try to vote Saturday morning. I'm not going to guarantee your <laughs> vote's going to squeeze gonna count cuz you don't know when I'm going to wake up. Uh, but but definitely you'll have all day Friday. I just voted. What did you vote for?
1: I voted for actually I made it a tie, a second place tie.
0: Oh really? Mm-hmm. So you voted so have- for feed.
1: I did. I did vote for feed. Because
0: <laughs> I just voted for left-handed darkness.
1: Oh, it's funny. <laughs>
0: <laughs> that, so I it was a tie. I voted for left-handed, and then you made it a tie again, which is good actually. Um so yeah, get in there and vote. Sword and laser, or I'm sorry, patreon.com slash sword and laser. And uh, now, if you don't want to be spoiled, you should probably just skip ahead several minutes or turn the podcast off because we're going to talk about *The Hum and the Shiver*, a novel of the Tufa by Alex Bledsoe. Are
1: they gone? I think they might be gone. Are they? Are they gone?
0: Okay. You, get out of here.
1: You hey, okay. I see, I see you. They'll
0: peek around the corner. I
1: see you. Uh,
0: so, um, I want to address my my slight rant on the thread in Goodreads. Uh, because I made a comment last week about the you can nature. You spoil it
1: now. You're okay. You can say they're fairies. I guess it's fine fairies. to spoil it now, yeah, right? We're, it's, we're in spoiler territory uh, about now. About
0: the, the Tufa being also, or uh, you know what? I, if, if I remember what I said right, maybe I'm not remembering right. We were talking about the music Tuatha, and I said, oh, Tuatha is a longer version of Tufa, and the Tuatha are blah, 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 blah. And so- there were a couple of people who said that spoiled the book for them.
1: Well, and I said while we were recording, "Hey, that's a spoiler. I didn't know that." And, and I, I like, said, no, I, "It's basically on the book jacket."
0: Yes, that is, that is that is what I said. I don't think I said it quite in that voice. <laughs> okay, you're making it worse. I felt because I, I feel <laughs> fine. I'm just not even going to talk. I'm not no. going to talk about anything ever again. Uh, no, I, I,
1: don't feel bad. I
0: did not. I. I am really tired of spoiler culture, but at the same time, I try very hard not to spoil. And that is a fact of things. That is book jacket copy combined with real world knowledge. It's not something that, in my opinion, ruins the book. The book isn't about that. However... Some people said that it ruined the book for them, and so I just wanted to apologize to them and say that that was not my intention, and I will not discuss anything about the book in kickoffs going forward. I will only talk about the author and the name of the book, and you know maybe the the blurb that's that's on Amazon, and I will not add any extra information beyond
1: that i don't think you should feel that bad i did at the time feel like oh i was really curious to see i hadn't picked up on that and i hadn't really looked into the book all that much and that's probably because i don't write the patreon blurbs for the books going into them so i don't necessarily always know as much going into it unless it's a very popular book in in you know popular culture in that moment and so for me i was like oh i was kind of looking forward to finding out what was happening here because i hadn't clicked into that yet. And so that part of that, that mystery was exciting to me. And so when I found it, I was like, oh, okay, I guess that makes sense. It didn't diminish my enjoyment of the book is what I'm saying. Like, I was like, for a moment, I was like, oh, okay, I, I guess that makes sense. But well, it didn't, and I like, wasn't telling me you out. who the
0: Tufa were. I was telling you that there's this group that did music that has this name, which is pronounced mm-hmm. like this mm-hmm. other name. And granted, uh, that's enough for you who are a very smart person to put it all together. And again, like I said- Yeah, maybe I, just,
1: I spoiled it. Put it on me. I spoiled no. it. I'm the one that said fairies. I'm the one that connected it and said that they were the like the fairy ruling class, basically.
0: You just figured so it, it out.
1: Me. Yeah, because I <laughs> but, know about fairies. But
0: other people would have figured it out too. So anyway, um, there was a really nice uh, response in that same thread- uh, from the person who complained, William, who said, please don't shut up about books. I'm sorry if I upset you or anyone. I was unaware that Tufa meant fairy. I thought it might be a sort of rock. So perhaps I'm just not as well read as your good self. Um, and Will, you should not feel bad. You should not feel bad at all. I was upset at myself, not a, not at anyone else.
1: I think you're fine. I still like you.
0: Well, that's I hope. I'll so. still do a podcast
1: with you. <laughs> My God, I didn't I think guess. it was that bad. Jeez. <laughs> I was already interviewing other hosts. Oh no, awkward! But you made up for it. (laughs) That was so awkward. I'm gonna have to have some hard conversations now. Unfortunately, I mean, honestly, it was
0: mostly the haint that has just been following me around since the last episode.
1: Speaking of the haint, uh, there was a really good thread about uh, about that that actually made me so. One of the things about this book. Um, I really, really enjoyed it. I gave it five stars, and i don't I don't review a lot of books. I felt very sucked into it. Um, but reading a lot of the comments in the forums made me realize that there were some things that I maybe glossed over because I was enjoying so many other parts of it, which is fine. You know, I think when you're enjoying a book, you're kind of just cruising on through and you're not maybe picking it as apart as much as you would if you were a little more, you know, unsure about it. Uh, I'm not sure. It just depends on your reading style, I guess. Um, but Danielle said, uh, "Williams' comment in in the podcast 295 thread about the hint got me thinking. Is it just me, or did that entire arc just peter out?" Uh, when she couldn't convince Bronwyn, this is the haint that she's talking about, to remember everything that happened to her um, in you know when she was at war, she went to the preacher in a dream to have him be there for Bronwyn during the difficult times ahead. And then she just disappeared from the rest of the story. What was her purpose then? If I remember correctly, the lore early in the book said haints had messages to tell specific people. It's why they exist to make their stories pass on or to provide necessary information. Just wondering what everyone else thinks about this. Did you pick up on that at all? I mean, I definitely noticed that the Haint story was like kind of poofed out. No,
0: I didn't think it was poofed out at all. I thought it was perfectly mm. complete. What was what was left for another book, and this is the kind of thing that sometimes bothers me if a book isn't as self-contained as it could be, is that, mm. I mean, you can dismiss a Haint and she dismissed the Haint. And to me, that was like... There we go. I mean, the haint's not going to come back. She told it that she's not going to do it. And and they very clearly told us that she had the power to do that earlier in the book. So I didn't think it was a a dangling storyline. What was a dangling storyline was when they had the haint go visit the preacher, right? Mm -hmm. And why they brought up the haint at all in the story in the first place. And I feel like... Those two things like, okay, if she was just going to dismiss it, why do you need to bring it up? Well, it's to point out the importance of her missing memories. And why do you go to the extra yard to get to the preacher? Because of her missing memories. What we didn't get in this story was what is the importance of those missing memories? And I think that is the dangling thread. It's not a dangling thread of the plot because the hate itself is self-contained. It came Mm -hmm. to tell her something and she wouldn't let it. Uh, And that tells you something about Bronwyn. But we as a reader got the answer of what the Hank wanted to tell her about was the missing memories. We didn't find out what those memories are or why they're important in this novel. And I assume that would play out later. If it doesn't, then that is a, a, a bit of a hole there.
1: And apparently, um, according to Danielle and some other people in the thread, uh, there's a lot more answers in some of the short stories. Um, and, and also in the, in the next book in the series, Wisp of a Thing. So it it obviously comes back, but I I did, at at least during the story, be like, hmm, I guess I didn't pick up as much that if you dismiss the haint, it doesn't come back again. I must have missed that part or like not paid attention. And so for me, it was like, wow, she really just kind of like gave up on Bronwyn, I guess.
0: Well, early on, she's like, I'm going to keep I'm going to stay away from the haint. And they're like, you know, you, you shouldn't do that you should listen to it you because you can tell it to go away altogether and that's not a good idea and so that's mm-hmm. the other thing that kind of got left up is like okay what's what is the day you know what is what is her payment for dismissing the hate without without hearing it out so yeah there's a couple things left there that you're like okay so what actually did happen to her right and, and what's her comeuppance for not for not paying attention to the hate?
1: yeah I, I would love to read the next book or, or maybe I'll give the audiobook a try though. I heard that the, the accents in the audiobook were a little intense. Did you listen to the audiobook or did you read it on Kindle? Yeah,
0: what do you mean by intense?
1: Um, just like I, I don't remember exactly what people said if they were like too like too stereotypically southern or something. No, I didn't I haven't heard it. I haven't even heard a sample so I, I'm not sure what people would mean I,
0: I I did whisper sync on this one so I was listening mm-hmm. sometimes and reading at others. Maybe I missed the intense accents, but they just sounded like Tennessee people to me okay. I don't know
1: I don't know I don't know either. I haven't heard them. I'm just relaying what people said in the forums.
0: yeah well, I'm trying to decide if it's because I grew up in Southern Illinois and so I just don't notice <laughs> or, or <laughs> maybe. If, Or if it's people who just don't have a lot of experience with those accents. It could be either. one.
1: Yeah, either or Um, Colin has a post who says, OK, I'm exaggerating somewhat, but why on earth did the artist put a violin slash (laughs) fiddle on the cover when the book at some length and on multiple occasions makes it quite clear that Bronwyn plays a mandolin? And I'm looking at this cover and this is not a cover I have ever seen before. (laughs) And it is. I do not like this cover very much. It's, uh, it's not the one where it's Bronwyn from behind, like looking out over the field. It's like a very like close up and she does look kind of like how I pictured her, but it's got like this crazy violin, viola thing, Uh fiddle on the front. And it's like, "Mm, she didn't play a fiddle. Didn't play that. That's not what she plays. It might not be
0: Bronwyn though. Somebody, somebody pointed pointed that out. Someone pointed that out, but isn't isn't that,
1: isn't that weirder? Like, why would you just have a random girl with a random fiddle? No, because it's, on the cover it's, of the book about bronwyn the the
0: the book isn't called Bronwyn's story. It's called The Hum and the Shiver. And so you're just showing a Tufa with her musical instrument,
1: which I agree. Not, I'm not, not buying it. I'm not buying well, it. no, I'm just
0: saying I'm that would be its own problem. But you you that could be what the artists say is like, oh, I was picturing a, a member of the tufa, not Bronwyn in particular, to which I would I would immediately reply, as you just did, why wouldn't you put Bronwyn on the cover? Uh, the 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 other cover that you're talking about, Mark points out the person in that picture also holding a fiddle, not a yeah. mandolin. Yeah. Um, and granted, lots of tufa playing fiddles, I'm sure. Like that's mm-hmm. that's not a problem. I'm sure they've got fiddles and, and violins. Uh, in fact, I think a fiddles mentioned in in particular at, at some point. But it's the same. It's the same thing. Like, OK, but the big important instrument is Bronwyn's instrument. You know, it's got a name and it's really important and it's essential to a character. Why wouldn't you show a mandolin?
1: Someone else said that maybe they... Um they they just didn't think that people would recognize. Yeah, uh, Rob Secunda says I'm pretty dang certain it comes down to marketing. A fiddle is far more recognizable than a mandolin. With that cover, a kid in a bookstore will go, "Ooh, what's the deal with the mysterious music lady?" <laughs> Not what the heck is wrong with that guitar. <laughs> maybe I don't think a mandolin's
0: that weird looking.
1: But... What's with that guitar? I, I love don't that. know.
0: I mean, maybe somebody's gonna tell us that that's actually a mandolin of that we are because uh, i'm not that familiar with mandolins i'm looking at image search on google and there's one mandolin that has the little curly cue on one side from a that looks kind of like a violin so i yeah. don't know maybe that's some kind of mandolin that we're not aware of but
1: yeah i see the curly cue but it's it really does look more like a guitar yeah. or a almost like a fancy banjo
0: we just need a mandolin expert to write into the show and tell us that's
1: surely one of you out there yeah is a mandolin expert of some kind and then finally we have a thread about the painting in the cricket library this is cool yeah, Tassie Dave says the painting that Bronwyn tells Craig and Mandalay tells Don to go and see in the Cricket Library is a real painting. Though presumably the original and not a watercolor copy uh, is in the Tate Gallery in London. Uh, it is called, as mentioned in the book, "The Fairy Feller's Master Stroke," and was painted by Richard Dad. And so he has a link to the image. He posts a picture in Goodreads, um, and it's a it's a pretty intricate painting. And so I, the fairy feller is he? So he's chopping acorns, but is he supposed to be killing fairies? Who is the fairy feller?
0: He's just a feller.
1: Like, <laughs> like that title says to me that it's like he's killing fairies. He's felling.
0: He's felling nuts.
1: He's felling nuts, but he doesn't look like. Or maybe he's a that's, fairy. That's, that's, that's a feller. That's kind of like
0: it's when you don't want to say a dirty word, you say that guy's felling nuts.
1: Oh, you know, no, I think I'm reading it wrong. He's not felling fairies. He's a fairy feller. He's just a He's fella. Just a feller. That's, That's what a I just said. Oh, okay. I just totally, I, this whole time I'm like, why is he Why is he killing the fairies? Are the acorns their heads? What is he doing? <laughs> oh, I, I didn't understand at all.
0: And you definitely uh, do yourself a favor. If you go to this thread, click on the link to the clearer version uh, mm-hmm. that Tassie Dave puts because that makes the colors pop out quite a bit well, better.
1: And and both uh, Tassie Dave and also Mark uh, quote the Wikipedia article. So first of all, um, apparently there is a uh, Queen has a song, The Fairy Feller's Master Stroke from the 1974 album Queen 2. And Tassie includes all the lyrics and a link to the song on YouTube. And then Mark has a list of tons of other books that are related to this painting uh, including terry pratchett's the wee free men mortal love by elizabeth hand the witches of chiswick by robert rankin chiswick. the road to chiswick sorry the witches of chiswick by robert rankin the road to bedlam by mike shevdon and the monkey grammarian <laughs> grammarian by octavio paz and the fairy feller's master stroke by mark Chadbourne. And Neil Gaiman wrote an article about the painting in the uh, July-August 2013 issue of Intelligent Life. So this is a well uh I mean, well you can written keep going. There's painting. more in this
0: thread. There's the, there are. This is a thick thread uh, full of good stuff.
1: Oh, yes. There's a lot of good stuff here. So that's that's like really deep. There's like a lot of good content around this, around this, uh, this painting. Yeah, I had no idea. Which is like a cool painting, but what makes it so remarkable? Like why is it so storied?
0: Because it's about real fairies, that's why. You think? Yeah.
1: Like they're real because they're actually real. hmm Exactly. Cool. Cool.
0: No, this is kind of reminds me of the same appeal as Hieronymus Bosch. You have a lot of realistic characters doing a lot of things, and you can spend a lot of time trying to figure out what they're doing.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, very intricate. Very, very deep. Except in this case, it's fairies on.
0: instead of skeletons. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Cool. Well, thanks for all of your good research, everyone. Uh, You always make the show so much more interesting with the stuff that you find about the books we're reading. So thank you for doing that. And that about wraps up this episode. So make sure you head over to Patreon and vote for Tom's book pick. Um, There's some really great choices, as we mentioned. And you know, I, I, I've i already got feed by Mira Grant on my on my shelf. So I'm, I'm hoping you guys come around on that one. That but I totally why you Because you already have it. It's, it's, it's maybe one of the reasons. <laughs> I've been looking forward to reading it for a while and I already have it. So not trying to influence the election. Just saying. And also, while you're on Patreon, hey, our show is entirely funded by you guys. So thank you so much if you've already contributed. And if you want to support the show, head over to patreon.com slash sword and laser.
0: You can uh, welcome Barry Lewis while you're there. Duncan Narr, William Bedard, they're all patrons and so many others. Thank you so much for supporting us. You can also support the show by buying books through our links. Find links to the books we talk about and some of our favorites at swordandlaser.com slash
1: Send us an email, feedback at swordandlaser.com. Our website is swordandlaser.com. All of our discussions happen over on goodreads.com slash swordandlaser. And you can call and leave us a voicemail at 415-7-SWORD-6. We'll see you next time. Bye. Bye.